Over a hill and under a misty mountain, deep within the unceded Musqueam territory of Vancouver, British Columbia, I'm Doug Vandalay with another episode of Comedy Zeitgeist. You can follow the show on Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist and pester me at Doug Vandalay. Hello to everybody listening on CITR 101.9 here for the first 30 minutes of the show. Putting out fires in the wilderness, the home and on the stage, I'm joined today by best-selling author of Reignite Your Spark, Carla White. How's it going, Carla? It's going great, Doug. Thank you. So primarily, we invited you on the show today to talk about your uh, new show, Shut the Fuck Up, Confessions of an Angry Housewife. Yes, that's how the... I, I'm so happy to hear you say it. Just like it rolls off the tongue, your tongue so much easier than it did off mine for the longest time because every time I'd go to say it, I could hear my grandmother's voices saying, oh, ladies don't swear, dear. So, um, and then, I, you know, I might live at the White House, but there's, uh, no one's ever accused me of being a lady except for maybe my grandma's. But you live at the White House? Yeah, my last name is White. I married, uh, oh, well, he okay. says he's the, but, you know, I mean, I just let him think that he's in charge here. But yeah, that's why we, uh, um, the, we have a sign out front that says we, live in the white house the old, uh, but it's just further than the other one <laughs> yeah so uh why don't you tell me a bit about the show uh yeah well the show um actually it is funny that the name of it came from um my book that i wrote uh, which is not called the same thing but i had a publisher that said you know i don't really like the title of your book what i could sell to a publisher is uh, a book called shut the fuck up how to quiet your mind and find peace and at the time i was in the middle of being challenged to do a, my first solo show and I said you know I need a title of it that is gonna it's like the the carrot peeling title and they said what what do you mean carrot peeling and I said you know if you were standing at the kitchen peeling carrots and you heard the title of the show or a book you would stop peeling carrots and you would go and check it out because it was that intriguing. And and uh, the gals that were helping me put the show together said, well, there's the title of your show. That's what you need. And it just so happened that that became kind of the, the through line, shut the fuck up, for a lot of, as I was writing the show, I talk about my own history with depression and being going to going to a marriage counseling session and coming out with a diagnosis of low self-esteem and all the while all I was thinking to all of these people that kept saying things is oh shut the fuck up shut the fuck up it was just that kind of that the thing that I could say out of frustration and uh, eventually it came around it comes around that the only person I needed to tell that to was my inner critic so that's how, where the the title of the show came from. And uh, what's the format of the show? Uh, Stand-up comedy. I, do, I also do a little bit of, it's actually a two-hour event that we do uh, for women. And we um, have them come in and it's like a ladies' laugh night out. Because most women that I, am, I meet with when I'm mentoring or out speaking or just in day-to-day -day life are frustrated and fatigued and they're overwhelmed and overworked and uh, they, they really need some laughter in their life so it's the first part is mainly sort of storytelling a little bit of stand-up comedy and then the second act we get into a little bit more musical theater and I talk about dreams and how we let those dreams go as um, children and then do a couple um, 
of activities and I don't, there's, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but there's some stuff that we do at the end that really just brings it around that encourages women to go out and follow those dreams that they've always had and maybe put put off to the side. So it's, that's how we're, we're building it as an inspirational comedy show is that there's a really strong message about reigniting your spark and uh, kind of getting up from life's burned out moment. I do have, you know, I get a few people that will, in, in any show, I guess uh, you get some people that comment from the, from the audience, but no, it's mainly um, I'm on stage and, and performing for the, the entire time. The, the interaction would be when we have a, oh, can't even think of the word intermission. That's the word I was looking for. And in, during the intermission, we actually, um, for one of our shows up here that we sold out, they we had a photo booth. And it's just an opportunity for women to have fun and um, be a little bit more playful, get out of their, their comfort zones and the seriousness of life. So that would be the only interaction that we had for them was an opportunity for them to have a glass of wine and, and uh, do some, some dressing up and taking pictures. I saw on uh, the website for the tour that there's, there's also some workshopping elements. Uh, we do a workshop um, outside of that, um, but it's it's definitely yeah. I would say that the the only thing that is workshoppy related is that we we do have a message, and the message is more inspirational than just come and sit and listen to to a comedian and laugh and and uh, enjoy yourself there is a, a message there but we do outside of the the uh, comedy show we also do some uh, workshops and uh, transformational retreats that's also part of the life that I lead what does that entail transformational retreat uh, transformational retreat is really an opportunity it's it's um, to give them tips and tools and help them understand kind of the process that I moved through. My own story is one where um, I was treated for depression for 10 years and also was burned out from my nursing career, burned out from being a stay-at-home mom. As funny as that might sound, I mean, people think, oh, how can you be burned out from a non-job? But the uh, hardest job I ever did was being a stay-at-home mom. So the, um, the process that I used and some of the tools that I used to be able to get off the medication and start to lead a, a life where... I had a lot more joy and happiness and um, contentment. That's the process that I talk about in my book, Reignite Your Spark. And it all came down to, excuse me, for me, it came down to what I needed to, I was looking for lots of answers on the outside. And I did a 10-day silent meditation retreat, which seemed like a really good idea for a speaker and somebody who, you know, spoke for a living to be quiet for 10 days but that's what the book is based on and uh it's it's really the lessons that I learned about the the beliefs and the the thoughts that I had that were creating the the depression and not being in touch with my feelings and and that journey so that's what we talk about in the transformational retreat is giving women tools and and methods that they can use in their life to overcome their overwhelm, their stress, uh, all of the, the things that fatigue and things like that that they have. So in those workshops, is there some comedy games or using comedy as a therapeutic tool? Yeah. 
uh, actually the kind of the the pillars that I use for the book and for the model is that you let go. What do you need to let go of? And this is can be every anything from expectations. I'm a recovering perfectionist myself, so uh, that's that's where um, I had to really take a look at what are the expectations, what do I want, all of those. Um, kind of opportunities and what did I need to let go of whether it was responsibility whether it was guilt shame regret all of those things so what do you need to let go of and then you come from a place of love and and I talk a lot about self-love and um, most of us have an inner critic that is deafening and that that's cr what creates a lot of our insecurities and the issues. And I realized that for the longest time, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I was looking for love in from, you know, that love and appreciation and acceptance from my spouse and my children and my family and society and everybody. I, I was worried about what everybody thought. And I needed to get to that place of um, unconditional self-love and forgiveness for myself. And then the third one, which is the part that how the comedy came into play was laughter. And I realized when I was in the depths of my depression, one of the biggest problems that I had was that I wasn't laughing. Uh, I was, I just, it was like, I didn't, I didn't see anything funny about what was going on. And uh, so it was, the healing that I needed to do, um, both with overcoming the depression and the burnout, got to a point where laughter became such a key piece for me. And I use it as both a barometer to sort of see where I'm at. And also I use it as a healing tool, um, started to, but I had to, there was these other things that I had to do to let go of and to process and to go through in order to be able to see the funny in life again. And, um, I'm fortunately that's how, I see a lot of, I, I have a nursing background, so there's a lot of, uh, we, we have, have a tendency to have a bit of a gallows humor kind of things that we think are funny or that we laugh at are, it's a pressure reliever for us. It's a stress reliever to um, find that humor and use it as a tool to help just get us through some pretty chaotic crisis times. You talk about your, your gallows humor when you're uh, working as a nurse. Were you doing stand-up or any comedy in any capacity back then? No. In fact, the how the comedy even came about was I had I used to be a, a speaker, corporate trainer. That's what I did. I studied with Jack Canfield, who's the chicken, soul, chicken soup for the soul creator. And um, so that was mainly what I was doing. I had done, uh, I'd been a firefighter. I'd been a nurse. I'd been a stay-at-home mom. I'd done all of these things. I was used to dealing with crisis and hadn't really, there wasn't stand-up comedy. I mean, I goofed around in high school. We talked about that a little bit. Like I was kind of the, the class clown and, and did that. And as I was going through some of those courses, what happened as I, I healed some of my stuff that I was carrying around, I started to notice that I, when I interacted with people or the, the stories that I would tell when I was doing training, 
made people laugh and I loved to make people feel better. And so I never really paid too much attention to that. Um, it was like, well, I'm a speaker and yes, that's part of my, what differentiates me is that I like to use humor and, and tell funny stories and make people laugh. And I was approached by um, some other solutions here and they said, we'd like you to, to join us. What they had planned was that they were going to bring in David Grainier. He's actually from Vancouver and he does stand up for mental health. And they said, we train you for six weeks with a professional comedian and then you do a stand up comedy show. You do five minutes and it's about your story of, of uh, mental health issues and kind of, do you want to play along? Do you want to be a part of this? And I said, well, I don't actually consider myself as somebody at that point. I had, you know, I was off the medication. I was doing really well. And I said, I don't really still consider myself somebody who has mental struggles with my mental health, which was kind of a joke in itself because we we all deal with our mental health every single day um but it was at the time I was kind of like yeah I guess you know sure I can do this and then sat down and started to learn about how to write stand-up and how to do this and I did um my five-minute uh stand-up comedy ended up as a part of it I said well you know I, I kind of took on this angry housewife persona and I had a glass of wine and talked about my life as a, a mom with three kids and a husband and, and a dog and all of these things. And, um, and part of my shtick, I guess, was this um, coming across as this angry housewife with the glass of wine. And it ended up sort of turning into this 15 minutes of um, me being on the stage as this angry housewife. And I just fell in love with it. And I still, even after that, did not consider myself a comedian, didn't really, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I did that little stand up for mental health and had lots of accolades about it. And uh, it wasn't until I had a, a client of mine who said, uh, I was mentoring her and she said, you know, you always tell us to follow our dreams. And so one time you said that you'd like to do a one woman show. So how come you're not? doing that and I said well you know I mean all the excuses of you got to fill a theater and have people come and see you know buy tickets all of that kind of stuff was a little uh, scary and uh, she said well hey I'll produce the show you just write the show we're gonna and then that's where it started was um, doing this this solo show and it started as a, I did a promo video of me as the angry housewife and the title of the show it seemed to resonate and we sold the show out here in in Fort McMurray in about 48 hours and so then the radio station said hey wait a second we need to you know we we want to have you do another show so we did a, put a second show on and uh that one sold out in 24 hours. So we, we found a nerve <laughs> of, of women who were out there who needed to laugh about the struggles and strife that they were going through. Uh, so now, now you're doing the, the tour of that. Have you started the tour already? Uh, we did do a small tour in, uh, we went to my hometown, which is small town consort, Alberta. And uh, we did a show there. And then we are, we're actually, our show in Vancouver has been postponed. We're, we're uh, moving it to after Christmas now, but we are in Edmonton next. And then we're also doing a show in Denver. 
those are the ones that we've got on the on the calendar right now and we're working on those so you're jumping around a bit yeah uh what's in denver uh denver actually that's where my uh, my business partner my executive producer uh she is uh, she's actually from kansas and we are uh we were going down to do um we assist on the team for Jack Canfield. He does his one day to greatness. And so we were going to be down there and she said, well, while we're down there, why don't we do a show here? So I said, okay, I just, I just go where she tells me. <laughs> uh, it's good to spread around as far as you can. Actually, most of our listeners are in the, in the States, funnily enough, considering this is mostly a Vancouver based podcast. Yeah. And, and, uh, this will be the first time, like, it'll be interesting to see. I've, I've, um, after I started doing this show, all of a sudden I'm paying more attention to comedy and I'm watching more comedy and, and uh, had conversations with the investors group does a, a comedy tour, national comedy tour, and they just had that up here. And there was three comedians and we talked with them afterwards and uh, two out of the three, well, they all three are living down in the States. And, uh, but, but two of them are U S based. So I'm not sure whether they're, they're, funnier down there or they're just <laughs> more, more interested in the comedy but um yeah it was interesting to me i'm not sure about the the uh uh the comedy scene here in canada i'm just kind of i'm new to this figuring it all out but something we talk about a lot on this show is this sort of burgeoning comedy scene in vancouver i say burgeoning it's been around you know a lot longer than i have but uh it's been growing pretty exponentially recently as well, and it's it's good to see some recognition starting to happen on, if not the world stage, then at least down to, to our southern border. It's come up a couple of times, I mentioned it in the intro, your book, Reignite Your Spark. Uh, what can you tell me about that? Oh, it is a book about my um, experience of a 10-day silent meditation retreat. And this is, uh, we had, there was a pool. My family had a whole bet on how long I would last. Um, I think the shortest was three days and a couple people said five days. And and uh, most of them didn't figure I would, I would be able to finish it. But I did finish 10 days of uh, silence. And I even found a legal way to talk at the silent meditation retreat. So that's my, you know, my big claim to fame, but it's a, it's an inside look of, of what it's like at one of those, uh, meditation retreats, but I weave in the stories of my discoveries and my experiences and the kind of the lessons that I learned on my way from being stressed out and burned out and, and having the depression to, it was part of the, the journey to find that happiness and contentment that I was looking for. So that's uh, really what it is. The It's reigniting that spark, that little, that piece in all of us that is like that bright light that um, is sometimes just gets, it kind of gets snuffed out from stress and, and things that happen to us world experiences that kind of makes us dim our light a little bit. And so it's that, that journey. And the, the subtitle is simple steps to extinguish stress and go from burned out to fired up. So it's really um, meant to help people. And there's, we have a, a spark acronym for it. It's the, your soul and then power up your potential, activate your awareness, re rock your resilience 
and kick ass with intentional action. So there at the end of every chapter is kind of five things, five activities that they can do to help reignite their, their spark and, uh, just really step into their power and, uh, how to, how to get up when life has knocked you down. All of that is in there as a part of the story. Oh, that sounds like something I need to read. <laughs> I'm noticing a lot of uh, references here to, you know, ignition and fire. And uh, I read you're a firefighter. Yes. So I, when I first moved up to Fort McMurray, I, I was in nursing. That was what I took in school was nursing. And one of the jobs that was out at at one of the the oil sands plants was they were reconfiguring everything and they wanted to hire four nurses for to become part of the emergency services team and uh, I thought well that sounds like a really cool job so I ended up getting the job and they cross-trained us as firefighters and uh, emergency responders and it was one of the coolest jobs so I was one of the first females out there at, at Suncor to be trained as a firefighter got my class one firefighting and uh, got to drive the big trucks and and uh, go out and fight fires and and do emergency services and so yeah that was kind of the coolest and I didn't see a lot of action in the the fire side of things we did a lot of rescue and a lot of medical calls there but uh, we did have one big fire and uh, and of course when you're talking about plants and industrial firefighting it's a it's a fairly scary kind of thing I remember riding out the the morning that we had the call I was at home and uh, it's called a class three uh, emergency and so I'm in this taxi cab heading out to site and we can see this black plume of smoke and the cab driver kept saying are you sure you want to go out there? Like, are, is, is this something you really want to do? And I'm thinking, no, I really don't. But that's part of the job. Like when, when everybody else is running out, the firefighters and emergency responders are running in. So it was, yeah, it was a cool and a scary job all at the same time. Were you uh, firefighting at the time of the 2016 Fort McMurray wildfire? No, I was not. No, I, um, I, that was probably 20, I want to say 20 years ago now that I was a firefighter and then from there I was a stay-at-home mom for a while then I've been running my own uh, transformational training company doing some uh, corporate training things like that and uh, during the fire we were here and uh, our house actually sits in the smack dab in the middle of the three hardest hit areas in fact for the first uh, probably about 30 hours we thought our house and our whole neighborhood was actually um had been destroyed and it wasn't it was a miracle but that was uh, the story of our evacuation from the the wildfires actually um what got my story into the chicken soup for the soul the spirit of canada so that's what i write about in there is just the what we found in the fire which was the good that came out of it and uh, there was devastation and tragedy but what we chose to focus on was um, just all of the good stuff, like the way Canada came together and embraced and, you know, donated and looked after and just were kind and generous to the people of Fort McMurray. And just the little things that happened through those, those early days of evacuation that just showed 
human spirit and love and compassion and generosity that was far more uh, was the bigger story than than the fire as far as I was concerned was that it was a, a real testament to just human beings and and what they're capable of and how they're resilient so that was how um, that was what I wrote about, and that got the, the the story made it into the Chicken Soup for the Soul, the Spirit of Canada. And for those listeners who don't know, the 2016 Fort McMurray wildfire is, I think, one of Canada's uh, worst natural disasters in history, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Um, Canada, we hold the record, unfortunately, for uh, largest evacuation, largest and most expensive uh, natural disaster, for sure. And certainly, we um, it's not a record that anybody wants to hold, um, but we, we definitely can really have that empathy for the people in BC that and the people in California that go through these wildfires and are experiencing the loss and the fear. And it's the it's a whole grieving process that people don't realize that they go through, even irregardless of what happens with your house, it's that loss of a sense of security and safety. And uh, that was the the big thing. And, and through that, through that whole experience, some of the the first things that happened was I was joking and my, my youngest daughter said, mom, how can you joke about this? And I said, because that's what, you know, I mean, that's, I have to look at, the lighter side of this and that's it's a coping skill for me is finding the finding the humor in it and um, it didn't take long it's a, a real sign of, of resilience when people are able to find the humor and it was early like probably maybe 36 hours afterwards when um, Facebook groups we started people started to post like what's the craziest thing you grabbed from your house and people you know grabbed outrageous things that they got and you know we we managed to get out of here and pretty much we only had underwear for my daughters and I we didn't have underwear for men you know my son and my husband and so I told everybody yeah you know I'm gonna make them wear ladies underwear and just just things to lighten the mood was was really what we were looking for in those early days for sure and it's those times that I think humor is the the thing that gets us through really is that I in fact a, a friend of mine who's a, a stand-up comedian does a lot he said man and for the longest time I had a, a really hard time I was asked to come and speak I have a, a keynote called uh, Forged by Fire and it talks about how resilience to me is using our experiences to empower and energize us and so what it does is that we take a look at some of these really, really difficult and challenging things that we've been through and we find a way to give it a, give it meaning or what did we learn or how, how are we stronger by having experienced this. And that's the focus. And I had a hard time when I was doing the, the keynote here around Fort McMurray for the people who had experienced it. I had a hard time because most people were still in that, in the trauma of the fire. And, uh, but there were some funny stories, like, you know, funny stories about, honestly, like you want to have something to laugh about, sleep with your, um, your husband and your dog and your uh, great big Mac computer, because you're not sure that you're 
your pictures are all in the cloud. So I made my husband grab the computer and, and, um, or my three kids that were sleeping in the car and, and you open the door in the morning and it's like, Oh, that's just gross. I mean, there's, there's things that when we look back and in fact, we sat not, not too long ago this summer, uh, some of our neighbors, we sat around and started talking about stories about the evacuation. And now this is two years later, but we were laughing. It was the it was the the sign that we had healed. And um, this friend of mine, who's a stand up comedian, says, "Oh my gosh!" He says, "I have so much material uh, about the fire." And uh, and you get to a point where there is some there is some funny stuff there, and uh, there's funny material there, and and uh, not not immediately for sure. But definitely you kind of, there's, there's good in like the silver lining, I guess, is what's, what is funny about it. And, uh, and there's, there's stories that are coming out now about how we reacted and different things. So, uh, humor is, is just, like I said, one of those laughter and humor is, uh, it's healing when we're laughing, we're not crying. When we're, we're laughing, it's hard to feel stressed. All of those things are absolutely, it's a tool that I've used for my own peace of mind and also to uh, help others laugh. Well, they say comedy and tragedy is two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your friend who's a stand-up's yeah. name? Let's uh, give him a shout-out. Uh, Neil Fiander. He goes by up here, Newfie Neil. I know he's been on the road. He's done a lot of, a lot of comedy and, um, he's, he's out and about and, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how much he's done in BC, but he's definitely in Alberta. And I do have a friend of mine who, um, is in Vancouver, Bryn Peebles, who, uh, her and her partner actually, they had a web series for two seasons, girls, girl versus the city girls i'm not 100 percent sure of the title of that but Bryn people's a good friend of mine and uh lover funny funny woman for anyone on citr thanks so much for tuning in that's the end of our time slot but you can hear the full episode along with other podcasts on cavegoblins.com for anyone else stick around we still got lots more to talk about with carla now before the show i asked carla about a comedic influence to talk about today and she came back with melissa mccarthy so what does Melissa McCarthy mean to you? Melissa McCarthy, from the first moment I saw her in anything, she just had that natural, funny vibe about her. And uh, almost anything she's in, she's just such a natural kind of person. So it's a natural, the, the comedy is very natural. It doesn't feel forced or that it's, um, contrived or that she's she's learned you know she's gone to school and learned how to do this it's just a natural effervescence I guess about her yeah I guess that uh from a her heavily improv background as well um spent 10 years with the groundlings just the same if you don't know improv troupe uh seen the likes of Will Ferrell among others uh, yeah how, yeah how did you first come across her work uh, I'm trying to remember, I mean, the, the one that probably jumps out at me the most, the movie that, that, uh, I, I did not see her in doing any stand up, but the, the movie that probably jumps out at me the most is Bridesmaids. Of course, that one was hysterical, but the, 
the movie that I loved her the most in was Identity Thief, where, and I found out afterwards that her and Jason Bateman actually did their own stunts. And that's pretty physical. Like they, they have a very physical fight and uh, really impressed me even more that she, she did her own stuff. And since then, pretty much anything that she's in, I watch because of her. So in terms of, I guess I was probably late, like she was probably in other stuff before that, but that was when I first started to uh, really take note of of her and be interested in whatever she was doing. I think that's the, yeah, the general gist I got from my research as well as Bridesmaids is, is when she really exploded. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm realizing now, because that's always my first question is where, where did you come across them? And I would say as well as a role as Megan in, in Bridesmaids. But uh, my sister used to watch uh, Gilmore Girls religiously growing up. And she was a, a recurring character in that. That's right. That was probably her first role as an actress into something other than doing stand-up, I would guess. It was an early one, but the first one was actually, and this is something really interesting I learned that I didn't know. Uh, her on-screen debut was on a show called Jenny, which starred her real-life cousin, Jenny McCarthy. And I didn't actually know they were related before this. Hmm. Well, I did... Uh... I did know that they were related. I wasn't sure how how they were related, but I had heard at some point that they were related because that was one of my first questions was, is she related to that Jenny McCarthy? And I'm not anyone that really know I mean I don't follow actresses and, and actors and and I'm I'm not always great with names like I'll say to my husband you know who's that they played that in this movie and and he's rolling his eyes but um, I I did remember when I heard Jenny McCarthy's my question was well wait is she related to Melissa McCarthy like are they how are they related and uh, she the other thing that that uh, I sort of now look back and see her in is the the uh, sitcom Mike and Molly Mike and Molly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that she was in, and um, I watch that now, but I didn't like. That's not where I was introduced to her. Interestingly enough, it was kind of the once you once you find somebody like her, and then you start to go, oh yeah, she was in, and I I do remember now. My daughter watched Gilmore Girls. I didn't watch Gilmore Girls, but I did remember um, my daughter saying, oh yeah, she was in Gilmore Girls. And the really interesting part is the guy that plays the air marshal on on Bridesmaids is her husband, apparently, in real life. And he does these little cameo appearances in all of her movies. Oh, I didn't know that. It's uh, Ben Falcone, I think is his name. Or, yeah, or well, Falcone. and I got that I don't know the source of that information. Uh, like, I, that might be fake news. I don't know, but my daughter told me that. So uh, I, I believe it. <laughs> I have not verified fact. <laughs> I mean, if the listeners care enough to uh, refute you, they can look it up. But I, let's just uh, choose, choose to believe that it's real. Um, <laughs> Sounds good. I found this quote of hers uh, that I really, really like on writing women in comedy. She said, I grew up with funny and interesting women. And my friends are funny, interesting women. So I can't think of any story where those women don't come into play. It's the same as how I can't imagine writing a story with no men. It's just not real. And I think that's, uh, you know, it's, it's such an obvious thing, but you, you yeah. don't see it so much. Because I, I bring it up, the, the sort of gender politics, talking about Melissa McCarthy 
because of her role in Ghostbusters and how thoroughly that divided people even before they'd seen it. And yeah, I have been meaning to see it. I sent you an email last week saying it was on my list, but I completely forgot about getting around to it today. But I've got it open and paused in the other window on Netflix. And <laughs> you I've actually, can watch it. From, from anyone that I respect the uh, the opinion of in, in these kind of things, they've all told me it's great. So I guess uh, it was a, sort of an internalized misogyny that made me resist it for so long. But I, I, I feel like I'm growing <laughs> out of that, and I, I hope I am anyway. Oh, good for you. Have you have you seen that one? <laughs> I have seen it, and and I, I I remember people having the oh well it's not as good as the first one, and and isn't that the way though with lots of spinoffs like irregardless of the male versus female, it's a tough thing to do a you know a sequel or a, a spinoff or something because there's always going to be that what I call comparanoia there where you 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 get into the whole oh my gosh comparing the two and I I enjoyed it and uh the original one I mean it's been so long that I since I've seen the original one I think my husband was one of those ones that was kind of like yeah no it it was better the first one was better but it was also the you know I it's it's almost like com- trying to compare apples and oranges. Like it's different. Yes, the storyline is similar, and yeah, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> I'm sure I will. Good, I enjoy it. Kate McKinnon fan as yes. well. So, what are what are some of your other favorite roles of hers? Um, hmm. I just saw this about forty. She played. She's a a mum in there. And I watched this again for the first time. And man, she's got a potty mouth in that one. And it just made me laugh. Like she just totally tore a strip off this principal. And it's there's a scene in there that is just hysterical. She didn't have a big part in that in that movie, but I just came across that the other day. And uh, I didn't remember it from when I actually went to the theater to, to see it. But I also like her in uh, The Boss, where there's some funny stuff in there where Kristen Bell, Bell is her her assistant and just the <laughs> the stuff that she says and does. And yeah, she, pretty much anything that she's in, I, I really enjoy. I loved her with Sandra Bullock in, what was that one called? Heat? Yeah. Yep. Is that the one? Yeah. Liked her in that too. And it's kind of that sassy, sarcastic, laid back, not taken any shit from anybody that really appeals to me and in that um like I said she's kind of natural and it's not that in your face kind of humor it's more the the subtle just has a really funny demeanor about her do you think there's any reflections of Melissa McCarthy in your own comedy um I I talk a lot about what's what's real it was interesting A, a friend of mine said yeah, I went to the show and uh, you're telling the stories about Stu and the kids. And I kept leaning over to my girlfriends and say, that really happened. That really happened to her. Yes, that really happened. <laughs> and so I, I tell, uh, like, it's a, it's a story about my life and my experiences. And so it is kind of that natural laid back kind of like sarcasm, looking at things in a, in a different way, not being too worried about what people think. I talk about being a bad mom or the perception of a bad mom and how, you know, it's kind of like, Hey, don't feel bad about being crazy. Cause I am like the poster child for crazy. And so it's kind of that 
yeah, similar kind of stories that I tell. It's about being real and being honest and being truthful. And, um, and yeah, there's a little bit of, a little bit of swearing. And I do a fair amount of physical comedy in that facial expressions. And I move around a lot on the stage and that's where the, the high school I used to do a Miss Havigans, you know, I would waddle around like Vicki Lawrence and do that in high school. Lots of physical comedy. I like that too. The just kind of being goofy and making people laugh not being too worried about looking silly so uh, other than your show is there anything else you want to plug before we wrap up uh no actually i i appreciate the the uh talk about the book and the show and uh uh just an an opportunity to give some shout outs to my friends who are in the industry and uh I, I really enjoy getting to know uh, people who have been doing this for a long time, the stand-up comedy. And I remember somebody saying to me, stand-up comedy is like soul-sucking work. And I'm thinking, but that's like, wow, how, how can that be? But I think it depends on where, where you're doing stand-up comedy. I mean, if you're, if you're in a bar where people aren't really there to listen to a comedian, you gotta, you know, you're kind of scrapping for that, that attention and, and the laughs and stuff. Yeah. I think it would be kind of soul sucking work, but when you, uh, uh, so I, I truly appreciate people getting up there on the stage and it's a very vulnerable thing to, to get up there and, and have people, you know, make, make people laugh because, Humor is so diverse in how what people find funny. It's um, it's truly I'm I'm in awe of most of the comedians that are doing the stand up on a regular basis, and uh, just a pleasure to be entering into the industry and kind of figuring it out a little bit more. Uh, where where can people uh, keep up to date with news on on the upcoming show and the tour? Uh, we do have a website, Reignite Your Spark Tour dot com and uh I'm, we also have a facebook page reignite your spark tour dot uh yeah on facebook and i'm on instagram at reignite you are spark instead of your spark because apparently instagram titles that have a, a certain character length so that's uh probably the best way is either through facebook social media and uh and or they can head over to the website oh cool. well thanks so much for coming and talking today no problem thanks for having me Doug. that was carla white talking about melissa mccarthy join me next week when i talk to shelly gnome about weird al yankovic thanks for listening everybody be sure to follow us on all social media at cave goblins and check out what we're doing over on cavegoblins.com We've got a Reddit community and a Discord server you can find through our website, so hop on over there. You can find this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere you listen. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist. See you next time.